What's going on, podcast world? It's Zach Bellman here with another episode of Small Town BS. Today on the show, we have a buddy of mine that I've gotten to know through my day job as a high school sports reporter. Uh, Jared McCutcheon joins the show. He is a uh, high school basketball coach I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, we, we talk a little bit of his teams, obviously, and we also talk about uh, you know, Wisconsin sports whenever we have the opportunity. So it was nice to catch up with him and talk a little bit of Packers NFL draft strategy for the upcoming draft here on Thursday through Saturday. So we, we get into it a little bit on uh, wh- which direction the Packers should go with their 30th over p- overall pick and beyond in the upcoming drafts. It's a great conversation. If you're looking for some pre-draft content to uh, get you prepped for Thursday, I think it's a good kind of glimpse at uh, what the Packers may be looking to do. So if you enjoy the podcast, uh, feel free to hit that follow button on Spotify or wherever you may be watching the podcast. So make sure that you have the most up-to-date information on upcoming episodes and uh, enjoy the podcast. All right, so my guest today is Jared McCutcheon. Jared, thank you so much for coming on today to talk a little bit of Packers draft preview with me. First of all, how are you doing? Great. Beyond, I kind of feel like um, after your past guests that you've had on, I'm kind of chopped liver, but it's fun to be on your podcast with you. Hey, we're just, you know, kind of flying by the seat of our pants here and just figuring stuff out. So I'm just kind of working my way through the Rolodex right now. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, just wanted to kind of have somebody on to just kind of bounce some ideas off of and just kind of talk some general Packers draft strategy going into this year because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, like, just the whole prospect of getting too invested in the in the draft process early on just is kind of incredibly overwhelming. There's, you know, hun- you know a couple hundred prospects to look at and, and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody's got a different take and everybody, you know, assumes their their take is uh is the correct one and it just kind of gets overwhelming and looking at all that stuff but you know it's it's always fun around this time of year to kind of speculate about you know general draft needs and maybe some specific prospects you might be interested in in having the Packers take on so um you know just kind of wanted to look first of all first of all just at the general philosophy of the of the 2020 NFL draft uh for the Packers perspective and um you know, obviously, this is a team that uh, is coming off an NFC Championship game appearance, and I think, by all intents and purposes, they still view this as the Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, championship window here. And on the other hand, you know, it, I don't know about you, Jared, but it, it kind of feels to me that we're we're getting close to kind of an era that we were at 15 years ago, kind of towards the end of uh, Brett Favre's tenure in Green Bay. You know, they were coming off in 2004, uh, a, a postseason appearance. They had lost a wild card game to the Vikings. And, um, you know, we're, we're also kind of thinking this might be the end of Favre's championship window. So from a general philosophical perspective, I mean, how do you feel where the Packers are at and, and uh, you know, what kind of players they may be looking to round this team out with in, in the coming days here this week? Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, we're kind of at the end, towards the end of Rogers' career. At this time of Favre's career, we already had Rogers as his backup. And, you know, we're sitting here looking at Rogers' backup right now, and there's nowhere near a replacement in mind for him. So, um, you know, I can definitely see the window shrinking a little bit as Rogers gets older. Um, but with that being said, you know, they're, they're kind of in a position right now, I feel like, um, with a couple pieces, they're definitely going to be able to compete um, at the higher end of the NFC. And, you know, you look at some of the teams that are still competing in the NFC, like the Saints, and they have an older quarterback um, and a pretty deep roster. And I also feel like, um, you know, if if they lost Drew Brees today and if we lost Aaron Rodgers today, who would be the better of the two teams? Um, And it'd be hard to say. I think both teams have some major needs, but – you know, the Packers are definitely in a decent spot to be competitive this year. And I think, um, you know, the draft is going to be, it's pretty heavy in spots where the Packers are going to need to fill. So it could be interesting to see if they get an impact player this year that helps them, uh, you know, get over the hump in the NFC and make another Super Bowl run. 
Yeah, and before we kind of, because I know, you know, in, in some of the texts that we exchanged leading up to this, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about maybe getting into the quarterbacks, but maybe let's, let's before we get into that, I want to maybe touch on, you know, what some of those glaring needs are, in your opinion, um, you know, going into this draft. What, what positions or position, you know, what, what individual position or maybe couple positions do you think the Packers need to get an influx of either depth or potentially somebody could, who could contribute right away? You look at how um, the season ended last year and our run defense was as bad as it gets. And I think, you know, San Francisco exploited that pretty well. And um, there's no doubt we need to upgrade our defensive line. And I think even, you know, middle linebacker for that matter, we need to be able to stop the run. And, um, you know, I just don't know if Lancaster is ideal to be starting and playing as many snaps as he is on the line. And I'm not sure for that matter, even Dean Lowry is, you know, I think we could make a major upgrade there. Even maybe in the second round this year, you could see a guy that a defensive tackle available that could probably, you know, be better than those two. And we're also pretty thin there. I don't know if Montrevis Adams, um, you know, you look at him, I think this is his third year, fourth year coming in here, and he hasn't done anything really. And, um, you know, Kingsley Kiki, the guy drafted last year, is still a pretty big question mark. So I think our D-line and is a pretty big need. I also think, you know, middle linebacker, um, since I've been a kid, I can't recall a time we've had a middle linebacker that we've been extremely excited about other than, you know, A.J. Hawk. We were excited about early on being the early draft pick he was. But it sure I remember some nice. good years with Nick Barnett. Nick Barnett, yeah, he wasn't too bad. You know, um, and that was back in the days of the 4-3 rather than the 3-4. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, but it would be nice to see a guy that could come in and fill fill the gaps and also cover. And, you know, and it, to be able to do both of those, it's, it's kind of rare. But, you know, I remember last year um, watching the pack when they started off the season against the Bears and you saw a guy like Roquan Smith. Aaron Jones has a hole, and then you're like, oh, here, and then there's Roquan Smith there. And you, you get a guy like that, I think he can completely change the dynamics of your whole defense. And um, there's a couple guys this year that I think will, if possibly they're 30, I would love to see the pack run the card up and take one of those middle linebackers. But um, D-line and, and, and middle linebacker, and I think obviously, you know, receiver, everybody knows we need another uh, talented guy in our receiving room. And after Devontae Adams, we've just um, – we just don't have much there. So I think those are definitely the top three needs. But if you look further down the line, too, offensive line with some free agents, Bach's going to be a free agent here. Lindsley's going to be a free agent. So they probably need to find some depth there because they won't be able to resign everyone next year. So, Yeah, definitely. I mean, shoring up the, the defensive line, especially the way they got they got exposed in that, in that uh, NFC Championship game against the 49ers is definitely on the short list of needs. I think finding... Yeah, another playmaker at wide receiver, not just you know, not just another big body. It seems like you know the the guys Gutekunst has kind of brought in have just been kind of big guys, um, you know, with some measurables and stuff like that. But um, you know, somebody who can really separate. I think you know, someone in the in the mold of a Tyreek Hill, just a speedster, a guy who can um, you know kind of cut the head off the defense and and, and really take the top off for them. Um, you know, I think is is the kind of player that I would like to see them pick up this uh, this year for sure. Let's talk about um, pick number thirty. Uh, just just generally being at the end of the first round, it's it's such a difficult position. I think in most any draft to be in. Um, you know, Gutekunst told reporters earlier this week that he plans to be aggressive in pursuing trades. Obviously, with the you know the issues facing. Uh, this draft that are basically unprecedented, having it basically entirely over the internet, um, you know, it, it could affect the ability of teams to move quickly during their pick window and, um, you know, could affect, uh, I guess those conversations typically have happen over the phone anyway, but, you know, corresponding within war rooms and stuff like that could be slowed down a little bit by this, but uh, Gutekunst, you know, feels that they're going to be comfortable enough to, pursue trades rather aggressively uh, is what he told um, you know reporters earlier this week you know if if there's a pick or a window that you kind of see um, you know Green Bay moving up to or just I guess how likely do you see see it is 
that they uh, move up or move down? Which which would you think would be more likely at, at that first pick at 30? Um, you know, I'd like to see them move down, but I feel there's so many teams this year, and of course, you know, there's just smoke screens and rumors, but lots of teams are talking about moving down. And when you hear that, uh, maybe it's the year to move up. And Goot's moved up the last couple of years in the draft. And maybe, um, maybe there's some value to get up to maybe pick 22 or something and it doesn't cost you that much to get up there because so many teams want to trade back this year it sounds like so you know I've, I've been in the the boat of trading trading down and maybe getting um, a receiver early in the second round or something like that but I'll tell you if if they trade up and um, I've been in the camp of taking one of those middle linebackers Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen if they traded up to let's say 22 to get one and I can't see them trading up for a middle linebacker this year, but that would be um, a dream scenario. Or if one of those top three receivers were to fall for some reason to around pick 20, let's say um, Henry Ruggs was there at, at 20, I, I would uh, not be opposed to trading up for one of those top three receivers either, but I just can't see those, any of those three falling beyond pick 16, 17, 18, maybe at the, at the lowest. So um you know, I but you know, Goot's been pretty aggressive, and he showed that over the past two years. So it's hard to tell what direction he'll go in. But I almost, uh, I almost just feel there's, there's, you know, there's no way we're going to pick thirty. I just, I, I don't know if we'll trade up or if we'll trade down. But I think there will be a trade because Goot has proven that that's what he likes to do. So that's what kind of makes, um, that's what kind of makes it interesting with Ted Thompson. You always felt like you knew he was for sure never going to trade up, and. Um, you, you figured he was either staying at the spot or trading down. And if he stayed at the spot 90% of the time, you, you had a guy in mind or six guys in mind that you thought he might pick and he never went that direction. So with Goot, it's kind of been, um, it's, it's been fun to see what he's been doing the last couple of years. So it'll be fun to see what he does this year. Yeah. I think the one year, the one year I remember a significant trade into the first round was for Clay Matthews. And that turned out pretty well, uh, for the Packers under Ted Thompson. Yep. Um, yep. but, um, yeah, I mean, for Gutekunst now, you know, this is now his third draft as the general manager of the Packers. So we kind of have gotten a sense, like you, like you just talked about, about, you know, what he's willing to do in a draft. I mean, we, we saw for years in the Ted Thompson era that he was just borderline never going to move up. And it was usually moving down, gathering more picks, gathering more draft capital, uh, you know, through trades and stuff like that. And um, with Gutekunst, I mean, he he's pretty much guaranteed to pick anywhere but where the Packers start, it seems like, the, uh, the past couple of years. And, um, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I mean, that, that trade that he, that he pulled with, uh, I think, first the Saints to move out of, uh, you know, their original pick and then, uh, and then move back into the first round and pick up an extra, you know, first rounder for the subsequent year. I mean, that, that was just absolute masterful manipulation of the – of the uh, draft there to pick up an extra first round pick. And that turned into, um, I believe, well, that, that turned into, uh, I think the pick that went for Rashawn Gary uh, or they turned into Savage. It turned into oh, yeah, Savage, Savage. The Saints at the end of the, he, they got the end of the first round pick from the Saints and then they traded up to get Darnell Savage last That's year. Right. So That's worked right. out pretty yeah. good. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's just kind of, seems to be kind of willing to move around to where he wants to draft. And I think that's, such an underrated part of the draft process. And obviously you want to get your guy uh, and the guy that you feel comfortable will be, you know, a, a significant addition to your team. But uh, there is such a thing as overreaching. If, if that guy wasn't going to get picked for 20 more picks, um, you know, and, and obviously that takes a little bit of mind reading uh, for the other general managers, because they're not going to, you know, you're not going to necessarily know what, what other general managers and other teams are going to do, but, uh, getting the right player at the right position in the draft, I think, is is such an underrated part of the, you know, the whole draft process. And speaking of Gutekunst, I mean, this being his third draft now, we have a, we have a little bit of a sample size of how he targets players, team needs, et cetera. And I was telling you this morning that I I kind of went down a rabbit hole, um, you know, of pre-draft visits. I was I was just curious, you know, because. There's reports every now and again, and I don't really pay too much mind to them because I know it's it's one of 300, 400 guys that are eligible to be drafted in the in the upcoming draft. But there'll be these reports every once in a while about 
you know, guys coming in for pre-draft visits. And obviously in the past few weeks, it's been virtual pre-draft visits with players. Um, and so what I did is I went back to the 2018 and 19 drafts and I looked at, uh, NFL teams are allowed 30 pre-draft visits per team. Um, and I looked back at those and, and looked at how many of those guys actually ended up on the Packers, both as draft picks or guys that were maybe signed uh, as undrafted free agents or later on in their careers if they ever made their way uh, back to Green Bay. And what I found was kind of interesting, I think a little bit of, you know, illuminative of how we can uh, kind of look at these pre-draft visits as an indication of at least what direction they, they're thinking of going. Because uh, I look back at 2018, and I found that uh, of the 30 guys they brought in, uh, eight guys eventually were on the team. Four guys were drafted, Oren Burks being among them as the third, third round pick. Uh, wide receiver Jamon Moore of Missouri was the fourth round pick. Uh, one of their three fifth rounders, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, was brought in for a pre-draft visit. And their seventh rounder uh, that year, or one of their three seventh rounders that year, Kendall Donerson of Southeast Missouri State, was brought in uh, for a pre-draft visit. And also, um, they ended up signing uh, offensive tackle Gerard DeBeer was signed to the practice squad in 2018 uh, in November. And then Tim Boyle, obviously the legend of Ch Tim Boyle, he mm -hmm. was brought in for a uh, for a pre-draft visit and signed as an undrafted free agent. And then eventually we also, you know, a couple other guys that had a cup of coffee with the Packers offensive lineman, uh, Dijon Allen uh, was signed in training camp of 2019 and safety. Natrell Jamerson was signed in December, 2018 released the following August. So, I mean, there were eight guys that uh, of that 30 that eventually, you know, made their way to green Bay that were, you know, obviously the guys that you're going to, be most familiar with are the are the guys that eventually, you know, if they're available, may be more likely to end up on your roster. And then there were five guys in 2019 that came in uh, among the 30 that also ended up on the team. Uh, one familiar name that Packers fans have been beating the drum for the past couple months is uh, Jace Sternberger, the tight end. Uh, he was brought in for a pre-draft visit, ended up being the third round pick. And then, uh, there's one of their two six rounders uh, was Kadar Holman, the cornerback out of Toledo. And um, I don't remember him making much of an impact. I'm not even sure if he made the team, but uh, one other name that I did remember from preseason last year that was signed as one of three undrafted free agents after the draft uh, was quarterback Manny Wilkins. He, he got quite a bit of playing time uh, in, in the preseason last year. And uh, then linebackers Randy Ramsey and Curtis Bolton uh, were also signed as uh, undrafted free agents. Bolton tore his ACL in September, and Randy, I think, spent most of the year on the practice squad. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's hardly a, a perfect science, but as we kind of look at uh, the guys that they brought in this year, um, it, it at least gives you an indication of, of what directions – uh, that they may be thinking of going. Um, and, you know, as I look at the list this year, there were, uh, by the way, these lists were compiled. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Packers Wire um, and uh, Zach Cruz, I think, puts these together uh, year after year. And that, that's been very helpful uh, to kind of look at, at the guys that the Packers are looking at. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I brought up that two of the guys that they did bring in um, this year were two quarterbacks uh, on what seems to be a, a fairly, you know, significant list of quarterbacks available this year. Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts were both brought in, confirmed to have been brought in for virtual visits uh, over the past, or have met with the Packers otherwise in the past few weeks. So, um, you know, I guess Jared, you know, what's kind of your reaction to that? Do you, what, if if, say the Packers stay at 30, would you be comfortable with that pick being a quarterback? You know, it's tough because you, you want Rodgers to play for at least three or four more years at a high level, but I feel the last two years he's kind of shown there's a he, – he might be at his peak where he's, he's obviously still one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, but 
Um, you know, we're, we're just so accustomed to him being the best quarterback in the league. And, um, you know, at some point you have to start filling that need of finding a replacement. Um, and then it's, it's just so hard to evaluate quarterbacks. And that's obvious of where guys have been taken over the years and hardly even making the league three years after they're taken early in the first round. Um, and this year, I don't know if there's any there's there's any difference at 30. If if you know they they really like, I mean, obviously we're talking about Jordan Love. He's probably Hurts would be probably more of a quarterback taken in the maybe third roundish, fourth round. And mm-hmm. I feel Hurts is probably uh, I I feel Hurts is probably a career backup. You know, I've, he's got some potential, but um, he's got a lot of things to work on. And I think that's why he had to transfer from Alabama and, you know, but love has a lot of potential. I, f- I feel he has a, a pretty high ceiling. Um, but again, it's all about how, you know, Gutenkunz has evaluated the quarterbacks. And if he thinks, I, I feel at 30 this year, if you take a quarterback, you almost have to anticipate that, um, you know, Rogers has, if they, if they really like the guy and he, he develops, Rogers only probably going to play for three or four more years. Look at how the Favre ended um, his career in Green Bay. You could almost see, I don't know if if they take a quarterback, are we going to face some of the same things that we did? With felt like there's a little animosity there with Favre and Rogers, and I mean, that's pretty, pretty well documented. Yeah, I would think if anybody understood... You know how that feels on the other end, though. It would hopefully be Rodgers, and he would hopefully uh, be a little bit, you know, more magnanimous about it. But I guess we'll see. But... Yeah, you would hope you would hope you would feel that way. But also, you know, I I have mixed feelings about Rodgers as a leader of the team, and you know, I love Rodgers. I think he's been great for us. But as far as his leadership lately, I don't know. I I feel I have mixed feelings of watching him on the field and how he's been as a leader. And um, you know, obviously, we're just seeing it from afar. Um, but it would be interesting to see if, if they took a quarterback at 30, like love and how he would, uh, how he'd mentor him over the years. So I don't know. I, I don't know how I would feel. I just about taking a quarterback at 30. I, I sure would like to see somebody, whoever we took, if we took a first round pick this year and we stayed at 30 or it'd be nice to see somebody that could come in and play right away. But then again, you look at who did we take last year? With uh, what was it, 13 overall? We took Rayshon Gary, and look how much he played last year. And we still had success without our first round pick playing a ton, our early first round picks. So it's very it's true. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I, I, I would understand it if they did it, but I also would feel like, ah, that's kind of one of those, well, hopefully that helps three or four years down the road versus someone that comes in and helps right away. Boy, I haven't heard that argument made about drafting a quarterback, uh, but I think that's a really good point for the people who are like, oh, we need somebody in the first round who will contribute right away. I mean, look at where they got last year with, with a player who was, you know, obviously it was because we had two impact veterans in this in the Smith, uh, you know, quote-unquote brothers, uh, Preston and Zedarius, who, you know, really – took over the edge rushing and, and just made it hard for Gary to get on the field because they were both all pro caliber players, um, you know, coming off the edge there. So it just made it hard for someone like Gary to get on the field. People calling him a bust already, I feel like is, is a little bit premature because he just didn't have an opportunity to get on the field. I mean, he would have had to been playing at a borderline, you know, legend slash hall of fame level to get on the field last year with the way that uh, Preston and Zedarius were holding things down uh, on the edge. So um, I, I'm not too worried about, uh, you know, Gary, and I feel like, you know, that's not a bad argument for, for, for going in the direction of, uh, you know, of picking a, a player who may not contribute uh, with that first-round pick. I know that, you know, obviously feels like your best chance to get an impact player early in the draft, but uh, as I think the Packers have shown, as well as any team over the years, you can get players that become impact players later in the draft. I think it depends really on preparation and scheme fit and all those other things that uh, go into, you know, a good player or a player having a good fit with a team. And, um, you know, one of the other things I brought up is uh, while I was looking back at recent drafts for the Packers, um, you know, particularly if they were to go with an offensive player on that side of the, on, 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 uh, or a player on that side of the ball with that first pick at 30, it would be the first time the Packers, uh, I found this out, the Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver before the third round, 
since Devontae Adams in 2014, and they haven't drafted a player on the offensive side of the ball in the first round since Derek Sherrod in 2011. And, you know, I guess my question then becomes, you know, what do you make of those trends, and, and do you think they change uh, with the Packers' first pick this year? Do you think it's finally time we go with an offensive player? I think we've been pretty hungry for an offensive player to be drafted in the first round for a while. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has. And, um, you know, <laughs> it just also kind of goes to show uh, how Thompson kind of uh, failed to draft solid defensive players for a significant amount of time other than Kenny Clark um, because Guttenkunst had to fill basically our entire defense with free agents last year, and it made such a difference. But, um, you know, we, we're starved for a – I think we're really starved for a playmaker in the first round as far as – you look at as far back, I think 2002 might have been the last time they took a receiver in the first round. Um, Javon Walker, I believe, it was in 2002-ish area. Wow. <laughs> that's um, – you, you have to go that far back. When you think about um, – obviously, it's – you know, it's fun to draft receivers and even, for that matter, running backs, but not many running backs get taken in the first round anymore. But it's fun to have those offensive skill positions taken early because you just have so many high hopes for how they how they perform, especially early. You're hoping they make a big impact and a big splash. But I think we're definitely hungry just for a playmaker in the first round, somebody that you know is has the ability to maybe, like you were talking about earlier, take the top off a of defense or, you know, make a connection early with Rodgers. Um, but if, if the trends prove anything, I think Green Bay and I think Guttenkunst is the same as Ted Thompson. I think people just let the board do the talking. They'll take the best available player, no matter if that's offensive line, defensive line, receiver, whatever it is. I think that's what they'll end up doing. So it's hard to say. I mean, I don't really have a preference if they take offense or defense. I think they'll just end up taking their best available player in their mind. And um, if it's offense, then uh, maybe they start a new trend and maybe they'll start drafting some offensive players early. <laughs> It'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just feels like they have taken that, that side of the ball for granted uh, for just a number of years. But I, I just, while you were talking there, I was looking back I have a, a page of, of all their recent drafts up right now as you were talking, and I look back, the last three wide receivers the Packers have drafted in the second round, uh, their last three second-round receivers, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. Yeah. So, yep. so maybe yeah. we should uh, load up on second-round draft picks and just uh, take all the second-round receivers because yeah. uh, if, if there were ever an argument for, for that uh, – I would, I would think that would be it. Uh, they, they do pretty well in the second round with wide receivers in, you know, the last decade plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think definitely this, this is a team that is, is starved for a different difference maker. Um, and, uh, you know, th I think there's also something to be said. I think one thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on is, uh, is potentially if they go, I know they brought in, uh, that tackle from the Lions uh, to replace Balaga. Uh, what was that guy's name? Rick something. Rick Wagner, well, yeah. Rick Wagner, yeah. Badger, um, Badger too, yep. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously Bakhtiari, like you said, is, is potentially coming up on a contract here soon. And, and one name that kind of stuck out to me as a potential for that end of first round kind of area is uh, Josh Jones of Houston. Uh, he was one of the 18 guys that it was uh, confirmed via uh, reports from several journalists, including uh, Packers Wire that compiled all the, the Packers uh, pre-draft visits that Josh Jones was one of the guys that the Packers have been in contact with, uh, you know, and I, I feel like that might be, you know, I'm, I, I just feel like for a number of years before we had this run on defensive players, it was always, you know, let's take the, let the, it was always like kind of a boring, you know, for, for years it was, oh, let's wait, you know, two, three hours for the Packers to make that first round pick on Thursday night. And then we get an offensive lineman and then it's time to go to bed. Like it just, it just <laughs> felt like that, you know, you know, it was kind of the, uh, the way things went or it seemed to go for a number of years. And I feel like mentally I'm kind of preparing myself for us to go in that direction again. Um, and, and maybe get somebody like a Josh Jones 
Uh, and obviously Packers fans, uh, you know, who have known the team's recent draft history may cringe at hearing the name Josh Jones. It's not that Josh Jones. Um, that but uh, what's that? I said, no, not that one. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. No, not that guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess that kind of brings us to, you know, if, if you're, if, if Gutekunst, uh, you know, dials the wrong number and, and, and ends up talking to you on Thursday night or me, um, you know, what, what, what are we telling him to go at, uh, at 30 or what, if you're making that pick, what, what is the pick at 30? What do you think is going to be available and which direction do you, would you want to go? Oh, if I had the pick, I would definitely take, um, if Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen slid there, one of those two middle linebackers, I think they're both guys that can go sideline to sideline. They instantly help our run defense. They instantly come in day one, and they're one of our probably better defenders. I just feel they can make – they're one of those plug-and-play type guys, and whoever they go to, they'll be their middle linebacker starting day one. Um, I would take one of those two in a heartbeat. But then after that, if those two weren't there, because those projected, you know, you see them all over the place. But I think – I don't know if either one of those will be there – um, if we stayed at 30, I would love to see maybe like a Jalen Rigger. He's a guy that he's a receiver that can take the top off the defense, mm-hmm. um, or one of these other receivers, you know, it's, it's hard after the top three receivers. I mean, it's really, it, it's really anyone's guess. I mean, Justin Jefferson's another guy I would love to see, um, Brandon Ayuk, you kind of see him all over the board, but some of these, um, receivers I'm mentioning are just guys that. Are, have a different skill set than than what we have on the team right now, and I feel can be very good receivers in the NFL. And but the thing is, with this year, it's so loaded at receiver that you could probably get. I just said Brandon Ayuk; he might be a guy that's there in the second round. So it's hard to tell, you know, what Good is thinking at 30th overall. And you know, I I read something earlier this week. Um, there's a GM. I think he told Ian Rapoport that. Mock drafts are off more this year than they've ever been before. So there's going to be. Problems. I was just pulling up an art, uh, an article that that said that because I saw that report too. I mean, it's a crapshoot this year. Right? It is. It's it just really, an absolute crapshoot. Really, is at receiver. I just there's there's so much talent at the receiver position this year that, you know, you're going to see a guy like, um, uh, I'm thinking of the Notre Dame's uh, receiver right now. I can't. He's he's a tall guy that I'm. I can't think of his name right now. But he. Um, Hang on, I got you. He's a guy that, um, you know, he's all over draft boards, and I could see him. Uh, it's Clay Chase. Boyd. Chase Claypool? Yeah, yeah. Chase Claypool, yep. Yep, Chase Claypool. And he, um, he's a guy that I've seen mocked to Green Bay at 30, and I've also seen him mocked in the third and fourth round. So it's, it's absolutely crazy to see where these receivers are. I guess it's about what the GM likes and if, if that – if the uh, – you know, talent fits the need and fits the spot in the draft. It's, you know, but I guess I would take um, one of those middle linebackers back to your question or, or the best available wide receiver and whoever who thinks that is at 30, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. How about yeah. you? I, yeah. I think, you know, similarly, I'd, I'd love to see a playmaker. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of past the years. I haven't bought a, uh, a, a copy of Madden in a couple of years, but it was always, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons I got so dejected about all those offensive line picks is like, you know, I'd always get excited because, you know, I knew this player that the Packers were about to pick up would be, you know, one of my favorite to play with in the new Madden game. And then they'd get an offensive lineman and it would just kind of, you know, rain on that parade. But, um, you know, <laughs> I think the the uh, the gamer in me wants to see, you know, a big splash uh, in terms of an offensive playmaker. I'd love to see a wide receiver uh, Claypool looks great. Um, although he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's got a four, four, two forty, which, um, that's certainly gonna, that's certainly gonna run past some people, but, um, I think at six, four, he's another height guy. And I feel like Lazard is kind of already, you know, our, our big receiver. I think we could really use more of a slot guy. I mean, if, if we got lucky enough for Justin Jefferson of LSU to fall to us, uh, he's a you know a little bit more of a possession slot guy, um, and um, you know one one of these other guys. I think one of the other guys they brought in uh, for a visit who's kind of a fringe, uh, you know, day two uh, or day one, day two kind of player was uh, Denzel Mims of Baylor. 
he was another guy that they brought in for a visit, and obviously that you know at the rate that those visits are being uh, drafted and acquired, it's probably like a you know one in four or five chance that uh, something like that were to happen. But um, you know, an- another guy that uh, you know kind of fits that slot receiver uh, role because I think we you know especially losing a guy like. Um, who did we lose to the Lions? Uh, Allison, Geronimo Allison. Um, you know, a, a guy who could kind of fill that kind of role who, you know, and he did kind of a, you know, mediocre job of filling Randall Cobb's role. So, um, you know, somebody who could fit that slot receiver role, I think would be somebody that would really add another dimension to the Packers offense. Um, but, you know, what was interesting kind of going off of the linebacker thing uh, was as I was looking at the, um, guys they brought in again, um, it looks like just based on what, uh, you know, based on who they brought in, they only brought like a, two or three guys, or actually four, let's see, one, two, three, four. Yeah, they brought in two typical linebackers. They brought in Terrell Lewis of Alabama, who's graded, you know, kind of a fringe day one, day two pick. Uh, they brought in Patrick Queen of LSU, um, and then they brought in, um, uh, let's see, they brought in Austin Hall of Memphis, who's a day three pick most likely, uh, and then Marsh Terry who of Northern Illinois, probably another fringe day three pick uh, yeah. at this point. But, um, you know, it, it seems like they're almost going for those hybrid type guys. Austin Hall and... Marsh Terry are, are both kind of hybrid uh, safety linebackers kind of played that uh, quote unquote star position on defense that I've heard, you know, a term, you know, some people use for that, that guy that kind of is almost, I, I, I guess the first guy I think of is kind of almost a Micah Hyde type uh, right. a guy that, you know, is kind of all over the defense, sometimes blitzing, sometimes in coverage. Um, so, you know, as much as I guess these, they're kind of all over the place because, uh, you know, Patrick Queen is obviously a guy who could probably step into that inside linebacker role. And, you know, they have a couple guys typically like that. Uh, I, I guess I wonder how much they expect to see out of Christian Kirksey in that first season, the free agent acquisition from the Browns. Um, and, you know, what direction they want to go with, with inside linebacker beyond that. If they, I would assume, you know, they wouldn't feel like, oh, you know, we solved everything wrong with inside linebacker by picking up Christian Kirksey because I don't think that uh, would be a, a correct assessment of where they're at at inside linebacker right now. But, um, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, they feel like, oh, we've mostly addressed that. Let's try and get like a hybrid guy like an Austin Hall or a Marsh Terry um, to kind of, you know, potentially mold into that Micah Hyde type role um, in the later rounds. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, again, to circle back here, I know I'm digressing upon digressions here at this point, but um, I think definitely I, I would like to see a wide receiver in that first uh, in that first pick. Uh, I think realistically, though, I feel I, I'm like preparing myself in my heart of hearts to be disappointed by this pick. And I feel like we might end up with Josh Jones and, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just like, you know, and it's just There's so that are projected to be towards the end of the draft this year, Josh Jones being one and Ezra Cleveland and some of these guys that, you know, like you said, you're not going to be that excited about, but they're probably guys that down the road you hope take that right tackle spot and just go with it. I mean, yeah, Brian Belaga was not an exciting pick, but we got some great years out of him and he He wasn't exciting. I loved that pick. I loved Belaga. And he ended up being pretty darn good. I thought he'd be a left tackle, but he was one of the better right tackles for quite a while. So All I remember about that pick was uh, just the instant analysis because he was at the draft, uh, or he, he was either at the draft or they had a camera on him when he was drafted. And uh, Mike Mayock just goes on NFL Network, he just goes, look at that blockhead. Like, <laughs> he's, just like, he's like, that's that's a true Iowa kid right there, just a real yeah. blockhead. Yeah. Um, he was actually, he's one of the few, I remember that year well for the draft, and um, he was mocked to the Packers, and like every single mock draft had Blaga to the Packers. And sure enough, you know, it was right. I can't remember the last time I seen a mock draft for Green Bay, especially under Thompson, where they took the guy that was, you know, 
I mean, not that mocks mean anything, but yeah, there's he was he was mocked to Green Bay that year in about everyone, and they took him. And you've seen other players mocked to Green Bay, and there's no way you know the year they took Nick Perry. I don't think he was even mocked to go in the third round, and they took him in the first round. Stuff like that, you know. So it every every uh, mock draft has a lot of mocks have us taking receiver this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's more like what position and. You know, because the Packers were always, uh, at least in recent memory, have seemingly been a team that drafts more best player available, like you were talking about. It's just so hard to, you know, mock that because whereas a lot of teams, uh, you know, may, you know, we need a receiver, let's go get a receiver and not really care if we're reaching or, you know, whatever. Um, uh you know, for the Packers, it was just so hard to be like, oh, we need a tackle, we're going to go get a tackle. Right. Uh, I think the, the one other year that comes to mind that it seemed like a lot of the mocks uh, actually had who the Packers ended up with was uh, the year we got HaHa Clinton Dix in 2014. Uh, I feel like that was like as soon as the draft guides got out, everyone, you know, in, in you know the Green Bay side of the fence was – uh, just instantly clamoring for that name, and you know, sure enough, we end up with him at, uh, in the middle of the first round that year. So, uh, but yeah, I, th- I would agree with you. I think it's just so hard to for those mocks to be right. And like, I, I and I don't envy anyone who takes on the task of trying to mock an entire draft, or um, you know, s- specifically some of these teams like the Packers that that uh, just seem to be so difficult sometimes to, um, you know, kind of prognosticate. So, um, but yeah, I guess uh, that kind of, you know, I guess the other things I wanted to touch on, we've mostly gotten to here. Uh, any other kind of thoughts on, you know, is there is there a, a need? Well, we kind of touched on needs earlier on in the conversation, um, but, you know, would there be any one position where once – Packers have made their 10 picks and quickly to just run through what their picks are this year. They have 30th overall in the first round, 62nd overall in the second round, 94th overall in the third round. Uh, They have a fourth round pick at 136, a fifth rounder at 175. They have three sixth rounders at 192, 208, and 209, and then two picks in the seventh round at 236, 242. And obviously, as we kind of started this conversation, it's probably going to be more like 12, 13 picks and they're going to be in none of those slots that I just mentioned, but, um, you know, uh, but, uh, I guess, you know, when all said and done, if there is, if there is one position or one attribute, whether it be speed at the wide receiver position or just team speed, team strength, durability, any attribute or player that you would be extremely disappointed if, if the Packers did not, uh, you know, bring into this draft? Well, I feel, you know, this is a year, like, you know, the receiving core for this draft is just, it's unreal. And I feel this year could be one of those years. The Packers typically don't trade future picks. Like they don't, you don't see the Packers don't have a second round pick because they traded it for a pick last, the previous season. But I feel if there's a year to spend some draft capital on in future draft capital on, um, a position it might be this year because you're going to see I'm guessing three four five receivers that may be even taken on day three that come in and make an instant impact on a lot of these teams and if um, if Green Bay can come out of this draft with two or three speedster at receiver you know um, I would be pretty excited about that and I feel like uh, I feel like that's the direction it, it kind of is interesting year because they need. They desperately need some talent at receiver, and you want to talk about a draft that will fulfill that need. Um, this might be one of the better receiving drafts in the last ten years plus. You look at some of the last couple of years drafts, and there just isn't anywhere near the talent, projected talent anyway, as this year. So, if we can come out of this draft with you know two three pass catchers that fit a fit a little bit of speed, good pass catchers. I think biggest thing for Rodgers is if they're good route runners. Um, you know, I think that would be, I'd be ecstatic about that with whatever they come out with. Other than that, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. with the pass catchers. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I, I think definitely feeling the same way uh, about that, and I think just roughly just looking at those picks, if we're picking in that general area, I think it would be nice to, you know, maybe at thirty to to have a wide receiver, um, you know, maybe in the sixty uh, second overall pick, maybe we go if there's still a decent offensive lineman available, maybe. Um, or or maybe a, a linebacker at that point because I think there's some second tier linebackers that might be available. Um, and then in the third round, I would love to maybe circle back. I I think I'm much more comfortable taking you know a guy like Hertz, who um, you know at one term when I was watching kind of a mock draft earlier today, um, you know that kind of came to mind and kind of reminded me of this concept. I mean some teams don't necessarily have, you know, that player that, you know, obviously, you know, we've been spoiled over the last 30 years with excellent quarterback play, Hall of, Form, Hall of Fame quarterback play uh, between Favre and Rodgers. But, you know, a lot of these teams that are kind of segueing from that next difference maker at quarterback, uh, you know, will typically acquire a guy who could be like a bridge type player to that, you know, buy them a couple years of, of quarterback play. That's not going to actively hurt your team, but may not be the thing that leads your team, uh, you know, for the next four or five years. And I think a guy like Jalen hurts could be a bridge type player that they could take in the middle rounds. It wouldn't require significant investment on the front end. It would still allow the Packers to take picks on the, um, you know, in the first couple rounds of this draft, that would allow them to be competitive immediately, uh, while also, um, you know, kind of hedging their bets and, and being uh, prepared so they don't have an empty slot right now uh, behind Rodgers in the quarterback depth chart when he decides to hang him up. Um, so I, I would, I, I think, I would like to see a guy, uh, you know, not a significant. I, I, I think I'm with you. I wouldn't like to see a significant first round investment in a quarterback this year. Um, but I would love to see a guy like, like Jalen Hurts get taken in the middle rounds that could be you know, a bridge that would uh, at least keep us above water, maybe allow us to focus on some other aspects of the team and, and, and not spend uh, you know, $300 million on a quarterback for you know, maybe a half decade or so and, uh, and, and allow us to build the rest of this team. Um, I think you know, a position I, we haven't even touched on yet that you could maybe see you know, we obviously we talked about the quarterback position with having a backup, but you know, Aaron Jones is in a position where he might um, want a little more money. He's this is the last year of his contract, and who says he comes into training camp this year not saying he would like a little more money? I could see us maybe taking um, a running back in round three, or even you know, if, if uh, let's say a Jonathan Taylor slides to the second round, sixty second overall, I wouldn't uh, hesitate at all on pulling the trigger on a running back like that. And just having a two-headed monster, and I love Aaron Jones. I think he's, you know, definitely in the top half of the, probably in the top quarter of the league for running backs. But um, at at this day and age, it's hard to pay running backs. And I just feel you go young and hope that you have a good one, and then by the time they're ready for their um, their contract extension, it's almost time to move on, unless you want to pay them like uh, the Panthers just paid McCaffrey. And I just I don't see the sense in that. So if um, if Aaron Jones you know, if if he's going to demand a lot of money, it sure would be nice to have uh, somebody waiting in the wings like a Jonathan Taylor or, you know, Dobbins or someone like that. That could be um, that could be we we don't even take a step back if we lost Jones. So r- running back's an interesting position to see if we fill this year in the draft. Very true. Yeah, that was a position I meant to circle back to because, um, like you said, I mean, Aaron Jones uh, is is not going to be around forever, most likely. And, you know, I, I, I just. I, when you mention teams like uh, the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey, and I just think of the teams over the years that have spent big money on uh, on running backs and stuff like that. I remember Matt Forte doesn't work. Yep, it doesn't work out. Matt Forte's contract with the Bears didn't really work out. Uh, Leon really? um, or um, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell yep. with the Jets. I mean, the teams that that fork out these massive deals to running backs, like that'll help you sell a few jerseys, but like, that's really not going to make you a competitive team. And, you know, even the best running backs, I feel like, um, eventually get too much tread on the tires. Um, there's no doubt. And, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of 
and Jonathan Taylor back a little bit this year. I think Jonathan Taylor, personally, I think he's the best running back in the draft this year. I think he's better than Swift, but the, the knock on Taylor is, I mean, look how many carries he's accumulated over the three years at Wisconsin. And, you know, there's, um, there's something to be said about that coming into the league with a ton of carries and how much tread do you have left on the tires? But, um, you know, I think, um, also going back to what you're saying, Todd Gurley is a perfect example of a running back that got paid and, you know, didn't work out another running back that they're trying to move right now. That's probably going to want some money is Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars are trying to move on from him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, running back, it's good. It's great to have a good one like Alvin Kamara, Tristan McCaffrey. But I also feel every year there's two or three of those guys in the draft. And, um, after three or four years, they don't have a ton of tread left on the tires and then you move on and you hope you have another one in the wings from another draft that you can move on to. So Green Bay might be doing that in the second or third round this year. It'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, I think that's a very likely, um, and especially uh, if they, you know, I, I think I'm seeing Jonathan Taylor mostly mocked in the middle of the second round. If maybe they decide, you know, uh, if Gutekunst decides, you know, we want to maybe go out and get him, I could see them bundling a few of those later round picks together and maybe trying to move up a few slots um, to, to go get their guy there. Um, I, think... I would love to see him move up this year in the second round. I think there's a ton of value in the second round this year, and I think there's going to be a guy that slides somewhere mid-15 to 20th in the second round, and if Goot likes a guy, I'd love to see him move up because there's there's a lot of depth there in the second and third round this year. So if it only costs, like you, like you said, maybe <laughs> – Maybe you move up um, and give a couple six-round picks. Well, so be it. You get your guy. Yeah, I, th- I think that you know is a very likely scenario. Obviously, those, those draft values, I, I saw a master list today of the value of every pick and how that you know, draft formula works. I'm sure it would uh, cost you know, fairly significant. I would, I would imagine you would probably have to give up one of those uh, third or fourth or maybe that fifth rounder you know, as part of it, but I, I would imagine, you know, we could probably throw that together with a one or two of those six round picks or something like that and yep. uh, find something so. that, that a team would bite on, especially for if we're talking about like moving up, you know, 12, 15 slots. I mean, that's, you know, that's not a, that I, I would imagine that wouldn't be a, a world shaking uh, trade if you find the right suitor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, the the other aspect of that, bringing up uh, Wisconsin Badgers, by the way, I mean, that always seems to be, obviously, you know, Packers fans are predominantly Badger fans. I'm not necessarily in that group, but uh, I always feel like around this time of year, you know, Badger fans are just, cl- like, pounding the table for, um, you know, a, a, a every Badgers player that's draft eligible, and Obviously, the, the, the favorite one that everybody likes to go back to is when we were sitting there at the top of the second round after trading out of the first, and we had the opportunity to pick up a TJ Watt, and we ended up going with Kevin King. And obviously, King has had a number of injury issues that I, I, I still contend he's a good player when he's healthy. Uh, I, I think he is, you know, just kind of had a rough break of things, but obviously, um, you know, that's kind of that's part of the draft evaluation process too, is, is uh, determining guys that are injury prone and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the best ability is availability. So, um, but, you know, it, as far as the um, potential guys uh, that are draft eligible for the Badgers this year, the other name I hear other than Taylor is uh, Quintez Cephas. And, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on him? And I guess, you know, how, Beyond the Badger homerism, I don't know if you yourself find yourself rooting in during football season for the Badgers, but uh, you know, beyond the Badger homerism, is there significant value for a guy like Cephas uh, in the later rounds for you know a team like the Packers to pick up? You know, I've always liked Cephas. I thought he had a pretty good end of the season here for for the Badgers. He's he's also one of those guys. He to me, he's just one of those. Um, if the Green Bay drafted him, I I, I feel like it would be one of those, like when they drafted Jamon Moore, when they drafted Equinemia St. Brown, is he going to stick? It's just too hard to tell if his game will translate and be able to stick into the NFL. Um, and I, I've always been, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. There's always fans that 
want us to take badgers and i've never been on the side where like oh we definitely got to take one of these badgers if they're available at this spot mm-hmm. but um, you know that this year i think of the class i'd love to see jonathan taylor in green and yellow um but obviously for the right price i want to take him obviously in the first round but if he was there in the second round i would another name though for that's uh been mocked to green bay even in the first round is that zach bond um, because for, for Wisconsin, and he can kind of move all over the place. He can maybe play a little middle linebacker. Maybe he's more of an edge guy. They move him all over the field. He's pretty athletic. Um, and I don't know if, uh, if Green Bay likes him a lot, but there's a lot of teams that like that Zach Bond, and he might be a guy that slides into the first round even before Green Bay chooses at 30. So he's another badger that I know a lot of people have talked about and would like to see Green Bay take, and I don't, I'm not sold on him. Um, just because I feel he's more of an edge guy than he is middle. And mm-hmm. I feel right now we have enough edge guys. I feel we have enough between the Smiths and Rayshon. I feel we have enough edge pass rush juice right now. I don't know if Zach Bond's going to come in and make that much of an impact, but he's another badger that a lot of guys would like to see Green Bay have. Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out on Thursday through Saturday here, but uh, any other closing thoughts, Jared, on just, you know, this draft and any other prospects that intrigue you, you know, maybe pipe dream players that you'd, you'd love to see Green Bay pick up or anything like that? I don't have, you know, too many pipe dream players, but I, I feel like um, being in quarantine here for the last, uh, what, six weeks or so now, there isn't a, ever been a draft that I felt I've uh, known more about the prospects Pretty much every evening I've just been picking a couple guys that I want to watch some of their tape on YouTube and their highlights and their versus film. And I feel like uh, I could probably go three or four rounds deep this year with knowing uh, what the players, like if you hear the player's name, you'll go, oh, yep, that's a receiver out of Texas Tech. And I I feel like um, there isn't a draft I've ever been more invested in this year just basically because of our circumstances of being inside and not being able to do too much. So it'll be fun to uh, watch the draft this year. I'll probably be glued to the TV for three straight days there. <laughs> Sounds good, yeah. And imagine if if you're glued to, to that much tape. I mean, imagine how much the people who's – whose jobs it actually is to uh, be diving into this tape have just been analyzing and overanalyzing and, and stuff like that. It should be very interesting. And I guess there was a report the other day that, uh, you know, they, they tried uh, kind of a mock draft to see how the technology was going to work and stuff like that. And uh, it, it kind of did not go well. So I'm sure the, the, uh, the drama surrounding, you know, can we have a viable uh, draft under current circumstances is going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. And, you know, just all the technological uh, aspects of that. So should be, yeah, uh, be going to be a unique year with that. I hope they don't run into too many technical difficulties. I hate when um, you see somebody talking on TV and you hear their voice, but their mouth has moved like five seconds ahead of that already. I just hope yeah. they don't much of that that's that'll be that'll get frustrating but you know if there's a year to watch the draft and they're not going to have uh, a ton they're going to have to show like all the players highlights and stuff like that typically when you watch a draft over the years that by the time they get to third round pick they're like okay the third round they'll be like okay well here's the last eight picks and they might highlight one of those guys of the last eight picks well this year i they're probably going to highlight every pick because they won't have much to talk about other than right. Them. Yeah, all that pageantry and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, all the all the gatherings of uh, you know fans having fans report stuff and I mean all that stuff, it, all that pageantry, all that stuff. That's uh, I'm sure you know networks are kind of concerned. I've, even with the relative lack of sports, uh, you know, stuff to report on right now, you, you know, maybe a little bit of concern about what. Uh, you know, what their ratings are going to be like because all that pageantry that makes the days two and three interesting for the casual fans uh, is, is not going to be there. But, um, well, anyways, Jared, I, I guess unless you had any other closing thoughts, we've had a nice hour-long preview of the NFL draft here, kind of touched on a couple topics on the Packers draft needs. I definitely feel more informed and ready for uh, this weekend. And uh, I guess any other thoughts on your end? No, I appreciate you having me on here. Like I said, I've uh... – I've enjoyed listening to your previous podcast. You've been getting some uh, pretty big names on there, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some of the others that you get on your podcast here in the future. Well, it's been fun. I, you know, what I've been telling people is just like beyond. I, I'm obviously very thankful that uh, 
you know, some player, uh, some people have uh, responded positively to my attempts to, uh, you know, reach out to them and stuff like that. But uh, I think more than anything, it's just been fun, like to, to talk to those people. And obviously, I had a blast talking to uh, Brian Anderson and Len Casper over the past couple of weeks. I have a couple other uh, on the back burning burner as I roll through my Rolodex here, and you maybe, know, hopefully we keep gathering some momentum. Maybe get what's that? Maybe get Wolj on here from Marquette. He's probably yeah. Well, if, right if he now. looks through some of my past tweets, he might not be interested in coming on the show. He'll be coming but, on uh, for sure then. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, let's see if he wants to defend himself. But uh, Jared, it's it's been a blast talking to you. Obviously, uh, miss the banter after games yeah. around this kind of year and stuff like that. Obviously, we just found out today that the spring season's canceled, which is a huge bummer. Obviously, for you know these students and stuff like that, and obviously. Um, you know, my job is, is changed, changed exponentially over the past couple of weeks and stuff like that. But, um, I think more than anything, the stuff that I'm going to miss is, uh, the banter with, uh, people at track meets and baseball games and stuff like that. So it was good to get on with you and catch up a little bit. And, uh, I guess we'll see how things shake out on Thursday through Saturday. Yeah, I appreciate it, Zach. You stay healthy and I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you. I'll be texting you during the draft. So take care. All right. Sounds good. You have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye.